Hi, Eleanor. Uh, welcome to the Research Labs show. I'm so glad to have you here. How have you been? Thank you. A absolutely excellent. And thank you very much for the opportunity. It's great to be on the other side of the microphone. How do you think about building a career in construction? How does one start thinking about that? That's an amazing question and in part of why I wrote my book, Careers, Constructing Your Career, because a career in the building industry is a highly unseen. It's not an industry that schools funnel people towards. It's not a career that people actually even look towards. People are very familiar with, you know, law, business, medicine, quite conventional industries and a managerial career in construction or a leadership one is, as I said before, highly unrecognized. So a career in construction, you know, you get to be part of our cities. You get to shape cities. You get to not just design cities, well, that's what architects do, but you also get to have input in the design and be part of the day-to-day -day management process of working on a building. And every single person has interaction with the built environment. For someone standing at the outset looking in, well, if someone has a natural curiosity where they look at our cities, where they look at a house, where they look at a space and are really interested in how this all came together, you need to follow that natural curiosity because it might just lead you to a career in construction. But of course, standing at the outset looking in, I also felt really lost and really confused and overwhelmed at the prospect of building my career. And that's why I did write my book, Constructing Your Career, because it shows you not just what the industry looks like, but types of careers that you can have and how to actually build one for yourself. You get to build these huge, amazing, beautiful cities and landscapes that you see and you travel for. People travel for that. They go to places and explore the world. You said that your own story inspired you to write this book so that it helps people in similar situations or who face a similar question. What's your story then, Eleanor? Usually here you should write a book about the topic that people always come to you for advice. And as I was progressing through my career in construction, there was always a perception that I was successful in it. And I kept on being asked, you know, to be mentored and speaking and everything to do with careers in construction. But I always felt that I'm still figuring it out and I'm still navigating it. And this was, of course, early on in my career. And as I said before, I felt really lost. I felt really confused. But then I started actually understanding and taking full agency of my career because once upon a time, I was really a dulled down version of myself. I was giving too much power to other people over my career. And then when I started to reclaim that, that was one tipping point. That's when it started to become successful because I put myself in charge of my career and I undertook the work internal and external to piece together the metrics that are associated with having a successful career. And over time, that led to my founding my business, The Construction Coach, which guides, inspires and directs future leaders and industry professionals to achieve higher compensation, faster progression and more recognition in their career. But even before that, again, people were coming to me for 
their for advice for mentoring on their careers and yes fast forward that led to the construction coach which I mentor which I am that's my mentoring business but again you realize I am not going to be able to mentor every single person in the industry so I need to give people I need to give my community the mentor the friend the support that they need for their career in construction because there is no other book like this in the market. This is an absolutely one of a kind book because what I've done in the book is I've pieced together the requirements that you need to start constructing your career. The book cover says the foundational stages of building a career in construction and there are certain phases also. How does that look like? So I've structured the book to be akin to how you build a building. You start from the ground up. These are the stages relevant to building a building. And then I've related that to how you build your career. But the first phase is planning. It's a planning phase. And people, average people, will spend more time planning their holiday, more time planning what they're going to eat on the weekend than they do their career. So when you ask them, what do you want? What's your definition of success? Do you even want to work in construction? Because the construction is not a sexy industry. There are long hours. It is high risk. It is highly competitive. When the when it's booming, it's really booming. But when it's in a bust period, which it is right now, it's really difficult. So do you actually want to work in construction? Not only when times are great. And the first part is also getting people to dream bigger because Conventional tertiary systems and academia will only show you one pathway in construction. That is, you enter into the industry, you become a project manager. That's it. And people plan their whole career based around this one job title. They don't know what it means and they think it's the end of the line. And that is not what's possible. The construction industry offers a world of possibility. So I explore that and I unpack that in the planning phase. Then after we have planned and designed, we go into the construction phase. But we start with foundations and the foundations are your high income skills. What is the skill set? What is the toolkit that you actually bring to the industry? Now, skill set only accounts for a very small percentage of your career success. But if you are going to carry tools, you better make them the sharpest, most fine tools that you have in your toolkit. So I talk about, like I said, the 10 high income skills that you need mastery of in order to have massive career success. Then I talk about in construction, the superstructure. So how do you actually scale your career up? And then I talk about the facade. The facade is your brand. The facade is your external presence. But you can only achieve that after you've done a lot of the internal work. And I have a framework which explains this in the book. And then the last part is your maintenance phase. So, okay, it's great. You've built this building, right? This is your operational phase. You've built it what now? You don't just sit and forget your career and hope for the best. So I talk about maintaining your career. I talk about management. I talk about leadership and how you can transition. So it is really a holistic approach to career development that look, even people outside of the industry will benefit from. That's quite comprehensive. And let's say you are planning it out. So the conventional roles are introduced to you, but you have to go out there and look for yourself. What are the kind of roles available and you know what fits in your skill set and your 
desires and capabilities what are the different broadly speaking what do you think are the different kinds of roles that different kinds of people can take up and what are the possibilities anything is possible and i started a business which there isn't anything like it you know specific construction mentoring not in terms of a technical sense i wrote a book where there was none I, my podcast again inhabits a space where there wasn't a discourse on on what i have before so it's not about identifying these are my skill sets and then what am i going to do because that's a very narrow bandwidth because you can always add to your skill sets you can always increase your skill sets and you can do that via a myriad of avenues and that's where people also chase positions you know so i want to be great at negotiation well that's your whole career plan anything is really possible first i had the vision of what i wanted what is the life and lifestyle that i want to build for myself and then how do i create the vehicle in which i can achieve that that's how you have expansive thinking that's how you get out of your comfort zone otherwise people will forever stay in their comfort zone where they're just thinking out of a linear i need you know basic skill sets and then i'm going to get into a role that's not what a career is about but you can be anything in the industry if there isn't something that you want you know that you want to work with create the role it's about really understanding what your strengths are and that's what my part part of my book also focuses on is actually doing an analysis on your strengths because some people love numbers and spreadsheets so they're really good in the estimating department they're not talking to people there are some people who love talking to people and problem solving so they are more suited towards front end project delivery where your problems stare you in the face it's really about client expectations and subcontracting and also dealing with the day to day of a project management team then you have people who are really good at networking and fostering relationships so there's a lot of opportunity in the front end of a construction business to actually grow it so that's in business development marketing bid coordination tendering and the like so you're part of the engine room we deal with a whole range of consultants we deal with client side project managers we deal with quantity surveyors so again the numbers people we deal with architects engineers of many different disciplines we deal with a whole range of authorities so we deal with property developers we deal with councils and a different range of clients so to be part of construction is not just about working on project delivery you can really be involved in a project through many different facets can you also combine a few skill sets and then have like a multidimensional role is that really possible oh definitely absolutely you know in any of these roles you're never just relying on one ability you're not resting your self or your career success and your technical laurels you're you really are expansive and that's one of the advantages of working in construction is that you become really good at a lot of things even just working on front end project delivery you develop a lot of soft skills such as communication negotiation emotional intelligence but you also learn really good hard skills such as finance legalities you know ethics in business the micro of running a business because when you're building a project you're essentially running a mini business 
So you develop a lot really, really fast because of the immersive and dynamic environment that construction affords you. You mentioned a mini business. What if someone goes like, hey, I, I don't want to take up that corporate job. What if I want to do construction, but, you know, start from ground up, building from this foundations? How do they think like, what can be their thought process and where do they start? Well, you know, that's also, you know, something that people need to aspire to in construction is you don't have to have a corporate career. You can have your own business. And people will say, our oh, business isn't for everyone. Well, a corporate career isn't for everyone either. And of course, business is you know, risky, but it also has immense reward. And business doesn't have to be a physical, you know, construction business. You can have so many opportunity in just being a consultant, right? You don't even have... People think that, you know, in order to have a business, I need to have 50 staff and I need to be big and I need to work on the largest projects. No, you need to define what it is that you want to work on. Maybe you want to be a consultancy with an admin person. You can do, you know, freelancing of different sorts in terms of quantity surveying. That's quite common. That's on the smaller end. But of course, if you want your name up in lights, up on the grain, you start like everyone else in construction starts. You start, you know, it starts with a you know, million dollar project or whatever. So you, people start with a subdivision and then they grow. And you, instead of, you know, developing one property, they they build two and then from two you get four and then from four you get eight. So, you know, a lot of the success stories, people now see the company's names up in lights, but they're also forgetting that this has been 20 years or 10 years. And that's why I, I interview a lot of founders on my podcast because I want to show people that it's possible, but it's taken 20 years, but it's possible. Like it's, you know, or 10 years, it's not an overnight success. It hasn't happened without sacrifice and taking on risk, but now look at where they are and look what's possible. So for people to start, well, you know, my ethos is first you become, and then you achieve first, you have to become the person who is comfortable with risk, who is constantly willing to put themselves into the unknown, to put themselves out there, to know, to have that level of discipline because business requires a lot of discipline and consistency. Over the last year, I've learned more about, you know, business than I have just reading about it because I'm actually doing it. And you fail constantly and you fail frequently and you have to be very comfortable with that. Success doesn't happen after trying something once. It happens because you kept on going. So, There is a lot of mindset work and actually knowing why you're in business, what you want your business to look like. Patience. Patience comes up on every single one of my episodes, whether it's a key lesson learned or through one of the aspects of what they're most challenged by right now. Patience is one that just comes up all the time. And, you know, we live in a society where we're so used to things that are on demand and we want it now. And for those people who aren't visionaries, it's difficult to see the process or the light at the end of the tunnel. So exercising patience is absolutely a virtue. And yeah, we're all, given COVID and everything, we're all challenged by it to some extent. How do you think has it impacted the construction industry if not affected and how has that impacted people who aim to become a part of it or are a part of it terribly 
it's the backbone of the economy here in Australia. I don't know how it is globally, but construction is one of the most fundamental employers of the industry. And when the first lockdown happened, what we saw was people that have been in positions for 30 years or a really long time were made dispensable within a company and they thought they would be indispensable. So you're finding people who are hitting the market, who have no idea how to get a job. They have no idea how to do anything else. There is a lot of knowledge that is also lost with these, you know, this level of expertise, technical expertise that is lost with these people who are now finding themselves in the marketplace. We're also finding a lot of graduates who also just can't get a break. They're really struggling to get positions because people aren't building. If they're not building, they don't need people. We're finding that there's been a huge contraction in the pipeline of work. So clients aren't necessarily going to go and spend tens of millions of dollars building. So if they're not building, if they're not making the choice to build now, that means architects aren't drawing anything. That means quantity surveyors aren't pricing anything. That means builders won't be building anything in two years' time. So it is a very limited pipeline, and that's where the government infrastructure stimulus into infrastructure and social infrastructure has always been imperative. That's what really got Australia out of the... 2008 global financial crisis, but this is more than a financial crisis. This is a humanitarian pandemic. It's more than just a finance. It's more than just a recession. But I've always maintained that you get what you focus on, and you've got to focus on the opportunity. And despite the pandemic, there are companies nationally in Australia that are doing really, really well. There are companies that are doing better than ever. They cannot hire fast enough. There are graduates who are getting employment. There are people who have been forced out of situations, i.e. workplaces that weren't serving them and they have started their own business or they've actually reassessed their career. So it is an absolutely you know bust time in the industry. We won't be seeing normal for a really long time. But on the other hand, there is also a world of opportunity. And whether that's in contact, thought leadership, prefabrication, social infrastructure, you want to be in the industry at the moment. To some level, you have to follow the opportunity. Right. By following the opportunity, do you mean to assess what kind of opportunities are possible in the new normal that we are seeing? Absolutely. It can look like many things. It's identifying gaps in the marketplace. That's having an entrepreneurial mindset. What's actually missing from the marketplace? What are people challenged by right now? What do they need the most? Where are they lacking? It's looking at better ways of doing things. It's going, okay, how do we actually come up with context? So construction-specific software. It's about really understanding what does a market, not just what they need right now, but what will they need in five years' time? Because that's where you want to be making decisions from. So, yes, there has always been opportunity. It's about actually listening when people talk because people love talking about their problems. People operate from fear and they will just turn over the problems again and again. If people actually listen, they will actually find out there's a whole world of opportunity in there. I've seen bullying built over years, two, four, five, six, depending on the size of the project. How many years have been really impacted or are we like underestimating the impact? 
people are definitely underestimating the impact that will come. We still haven't seen the full impact of, especially in Melbourne. You know, here it's, we're in the longest lockdown in the world. So here things are a bit more dramatic and accentuated. It's a bit different in other cities. Can't comment specifically. But yeah, we are still to see the full extent of this level of debt that the pandemic has really caused. And in terms of project timeframes, that depends on the build. You can have, you know, skyscrapers, six years plus, you know, there are projects that go for 10 years, such as infrastructure, whereas a house is 16 weeks. So it really depends on the project typology. How do you manage your time? I get asked that question a lot. I am someone who's very time sensitive. So I know that my time is the most valuable resource that I have. And it's the asset which I need to use better than anything else in order to achieve what it is that I'm focusing towards. So I know what I need to do with my time. I'm not lax with it. You don't find me on Netflix. I'm always looking to, you know, I have a lot of net time. So how can I use that to also grow, but also plan my week? You know, I know my priorities and it's not easy. It's easy to identify your priorities when you have the vision, when you know what you're working towards. And that's what fuels my priorities. And then the priorities are broken down into monthly tasks, weekly tasks. And I know very well, if I don't do the weekly tasks, there's no monthly task, then there's no yearly achievement, then there's no 10-year achievement. So what's the alternative? I don't give myself an alternative. But I'm also aware that you know I don't try and do everything by myself. So I outsource where, where I can, where I see fit, you know, if a task isn't worth my hourly rate, then can I get someone else to do that? Because, you know, I know, like I said, it's my priorities. And if I'm doing a $10 task, whereas I need to be focusing on a $500 task, then I'm not being effective in my business and I'm not using my time the best. And you know, similar to priorities, I know what I'm available for. You know, first it's clients. My clients have made a decision to work with me, to be here with me, and I owe them an exemplary and exceptional service that they don't get anywhere else. They look to me as a mentor and that's what I deliver on. So first it's clients. It's not first I'm going to hang out with friends and then I'll attend to my clients. No, that's negligible business practice. And then, you know, everything else follows suit. So really knowing what you're available for and then also being able to say, no, I'm not available for that. I'm not available for everyone else's beck and call and whim because otherwise you just don't get anything done. But, you know, there's always room for improvement and I'm always learning new ways to to maximize my time. Given the lesser amount of traveling, has that helped? Absolutely. Not traveling to and from has definitely created opportunities. So in the first lockdown, when we were all sent to work from home, I had A, net time and B, just so much time on weekends because of no events and no workshops. So that's when I wrote my book. How much time did that take? Well, it's a two-part answer. So the actual execution part was eight days. But yeah, but... Yeah, I, I said I wanted to finish my book in April and I did it on the weekend. So every weekend in April. 
And I set a task, you know, today is a 5,000 word day, today is a 10,000 word day. And I wouldn't stop until I achieved that because I knew if I needed to finish it by the end of April, I can't be left with 50,000 words. But that's the execution part. What people don't see is the eight months of work that I've done with my mentor on figuring out what I'm about, my message, my brand, hours and hours and months and months of work to actually figure it out and then putting out daily content. Like I've exercised the muscle of writing and of sitting there and actually doing it. So, you know, to sit down and write a book, it's, it's a, you exercise a lot of discipline, but I'm used to that. And that wasn't an eight day process. That was an eight year process. That was an eight month process. So people tend to do it backwards. They try and write a book without doing any of the important inner work to figure out your message, your brand, what you're actually about to actually develop their own thinking in the first place. You spend months and months doing that, a book is going to come like that. Not just the execution part, but the entire year or years that have been behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have, before I wrote the book, I have been in the construction industry for eight years. You know, it's eight years of experience and thinking and trialing and failing myself in order to go into the book. So, yeah, it's... It's a process and I'm glad I I'm glad I got to condense that into 204 pages. Thanks so much for joining. See you around soon. My pleasure. Thank you for the conversation.